The gospel today speaks of a storm at sea. Have you ever been in a bad storm at sea before? If you had, have, it's a frightening experience. I remember I had a little bit of an experience when I took my parents on the cruise to Alaska. Um, the cruise ship is huge, you know, it's like a skyscraper in the, in, the, in the water. And one night the ship went through very, very rough waves. And I was laying down in my bed and like, we were going back and then we we're going down and going back and going down. The whole place was just moving. And I, I really thought, you know, there's a reasonable chance that I'm gonna die here. And, you know, in the other room, I can hear my mom and dad snoring. They're completely, they're, they're not even aware that what's going on. I'm in the other room having this existential crisis of life and death. Um, and I was scared on a really big ship. Now, according to physics and things, like those cruise ships can't like tip over, it's amazing, but um, I couldn't imagine being a little, a little fishing boat with huge waves. I could not imagine it. Especially on the Sea of Galilee, it's not that deep. It's like 140 feet in the deepest part. And so if you had a big squall go across that, a lot of wind, wind is what causes large waves to surface. Uh, and then you have to be outside in that little fishing boat trying to manage, trying to take in the sail, holding on for dear life when the water comes over the bow. Um, and if you get swept away, you're a goner. You're not gonna survive in water like that. Uh, the water's almost drowning you as it's hitting you. The howling wind is deafening. It would have been frightening. Yet during all this drama and fear, where was Jesus? He was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. Lovely, isn't it? <laughs> Why did Jesus, who is God, and therefore all-powerful, allow himself to fall asleep just when things were getting really tough, really scary for his followers? Does he not care about the storm? This is a question we all must face in life sooner or later. Because if we don't understand what Jesus is doing, we will have a temptation to get resentful toward him. And you can see that resentment in the question that the apostles said to him when they woke him. What did they say? They said, do you not care that we're perishing? What kind of question is that? Jesus doesn't care? Is that true? Of course not. But wait, then why do you fall asleep? Chances are, my friends, you have some storm in your life. And chances are you might be feeling like the apostles. Jesus is asleep on a cushion during the storm. Maybe you're getting a bit resentful to Jesus, doubting either his love or his power. Why is Jesus asleep in your storm? That's the question we need to answer today. But to explain this, I want to show a famous painting by Rembrandt. He was a famous Dutch painter in the mid to late 1600s. Um, this painting is it's a, it's a phenomenal painting uh, when you can see the detail of it. Um, it was actually in the um, Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston, Massachusetts until it was stolen in a famous museum heist in 1990. I don't know if you ever uh, remember that in the news. And after, five, after several uh, FBI invest investigations and $5 million reward, it's still missing to this day. Nobody knows where this Rembrandt is. 
And this was the only seascape he ever painted. He did a lot of gospel scenes, but this is the only uh, ocean scene. And if you analyze the painting, it's divided on the, on the di diagonal. So when you want to do drama, you always go on the diagonal. So you have the paintings cut across like with the mass there, okay? So this triangle here and this triangle here. So on this side, you have all the drama going on. So the big wave is crashing over the, the, uh, the boat. Uh, you have St. Peter right here trying to hold on for dear life. You have probably J uh, his brother Andrew and James and John, the fishermen. They were probably trying to bring in the sail. If you look closely in the sail, it's all kind of torn and sewn together, just like a real uh, a sail would be in the time of Jesus. Um, they are, they're, they're hitting the storm. The storm is coming. It's hitting them right hard, and the, all this water is going to be taking, uh, hitting all of them in, in momentarily. But then you still have the foreshadowing of what, of what Jesus is going to do, because up here you start to see there's no darkness anymore. The storm is already being dissipated. Because in this other triangle, see, so you have the action, the drama, the action going on here. And then on the other side, you have the emotional drama. So down here, you have all this darkness. Because you know, the apostles are in, are in fear. They're terrified. And they don't know what to do. You have this one guy down here. He's on the rudder trying to steer it, which is kind of hopeless in a storm like this. Other people are just trying to hold on. And right here... This is where Jesus is, and he has a faint halo around his head, and you have the two apostles waking him up, saying, don't you care that we're perishing? The, the emotional, spiritual darkness that they were going through in the storm. And then actually right here, if you zoom in um, uh, and look at that, there's one apostle that's looking directly at you, the viewer of the painting, that's breaking the plane of the, of the painting, and uh, that's actually a self-portrait of Rembrandt himself. But he captures the drama, the fear, and frustration of the moment eloquently. And maybe you feel like this painting is your life right now. And you might be asking yourself, how do I handle a storm like this? I'm going to give you three principles. All right, first principle. The storm is the norm. There's this weird idea that gets in our head. I don't know exactly where it comes from, but we feel that many people feel that if I have faith and I really follow Jesus, I'm never going to have storms in life. My life is going to be easy. God will bless me with health and wealth. But my friends, that's not in the Bible. And precisely, God allowed this scene to happen to say, you're going to have storms. And in fact, storms are the norm. Over and over again in the Bible, you have this story repeated. Today, we had the first reading from the, the life of Job. He was a good and holy man, but the devil said to God, Oh, you think Job's so holy? Let me test him, and I bet you he will curse you to your face. And so if you think you had a bad day, listen to this one day of Job. One day. One day, 500 of his oxen and 500 of his donkeys were stolen by invading armies. 7,000 of his sheep were killed by fire from the sky. 3,000 camels were stolen by marauders. And his seven sons and three daughters were at a party at the eldest brother's house. A wind came up, collapsed the house, and killed them all. That's a bad day. That's a storm. If you're thinking you're having a bad day, Job takes the cake. In the rest of the book, Job tries to understand the why. Why did this happen? Why the storm? 
And his friends say, God only does this to sinners, so therefore you must be a sinner. And Job says, no, I'm not. And it was true. And so Job cries out to God asking why, and finally God answers. That's what we read, the first part of the answer. And God answers pointing out the vast mystery of God's wisdom and power. In other words, sometimes we will not understand the providence of God in our life, but you can rest assured he does it for our good. Now for you and me, maybe we're not going to have a storm on a lake or have a day like Job, but we're going to have storms in life. As I said, in this fallen world, it's safe to say that the storm is the norm. Your storm might be the long and painful sickness of a loved one, or maybe you yourself. Maybe difficulty with your children. Maybe damage caused by family members' addictions and infidelities and anger and impatience. Maybe the ravages of war, a debilitating natural disaster, COVID, financial ruin, or maybe just the intense, heart-sickening feeling of loneliness. Why does an all-powerful God go to sleep in our boats and let the storm rage against us? Why? The Catechism tells us clearly that we will not understand God's ways fully until we meet Him face-to-face up in heaven. Catechism number 324 says this specifically. The fact that God permits physical and even moral evil is a mystery that God illuminates by His Son, Jesus Christ, who died and rose to vanquish evil. Faith gives us a certainty that God would not permit an evil if he did not cause a good to come from that very evil by ways that we shall fully know only in eternal life. In other words, the greatest evil that ever happened, crucifixion. And what happened from the greatest evil? The greatest good. God allows a storm in your life because he's doing something deeper. He's bringing about a deeper spiritual maturity. Now in our life, you know, sometimes we can understand partially God's agenda for us. But God's agenda for our brief journey here on earth isn't perfect comfort. It's not unbroken pleasure. Rather, what God wants to achieve is wisdom, courage, joy, and inner balance by spiritual maturity. What does that mean? It means he, he's trying to get us in shape for heaven. And that involves learning to trust him more than ourselves. Learning that we're not all powerful. And yeah, that's a hard lesson to learn because it goes against all the mentality of our world today. Everything we've inherited from original sin. And so sometime, sometimes God goes to sleep in our boats and lets the storm rage so we will come to know and accept the reality of our limitations and the truth of our dependence on Him. Let me say that again because it's really important. Listen to that. And so sometimes God goes to sleep in our boats and lets the storm rage so that we will come to know and accept the reality of our limitations and the truth of our dependence on Him. And in fact, that's actually freeing once you get that. Because you're trusting in him, not you. You're trusting that, hey, Jesus is in my boat. It's not me figuring out how to fix all this. 
I try my best, but Jesus is the one that's in the boat. The boss is going to take care of it. That's where you find peace. So that's the first principle. The storm is the norm. Second principle, the calm will come. You have to have hope. In the painting, the, 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 calm is, uh, the calm is coming. It's in the upper hand corner. It's coming in through all the darkness. Jesus can get rid of it, boom, just like that. In the storm of Good Friday, the calm of Easter Sunday will come. Your life will not always be a storm. Have hope in the mysterious plan of God. Yes, you might not understand it, and that's okay. But that's where you've got to depend on Him and not you thinking you know your life. God knows better than us. We need to trust in that. For Job, the calm did come. At the end of the book, God returned to him double all that he had before. Your calm will come too. Be patient and trust in the Lord. And the final principle is right response. When Jesus rebuked the storm, what did he say? He said, why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? In other words, if they really believed in Jesus as God, why would they doubt his love or his power? Now they knew he had the power to do so. That's why they woke him up. But man, oh man, they were doubting his love. Do you not care that we're perishing? There's so much behind those words, isn't it? There's so much white, hot resentment there. Don't you care, Lord? And you get sarcastic and you get punchy. You know, behind those words, it's like, oh, Jesus, you feeling good on that soft little cushion? We're out here dying. Don't you care? Thanks a lot, Son of God. Go back to your nappy nap. I'm just going to go out here and die now, okay? There's all that hurt coming out. But what should have been the right response of the apostles? And really, what should be our right response in our storm right now? First right response, let Jesus sleep. Let him sleep. Trust in the silence of God. Just because he's not taken away doesn't mean he doesn't care. Let him sleep. Trust him. And secondly, keep fighting the storm. If you're in a boat and you're in a storm, what do you do? You bail the water out. And you keep bailing it. And you hold on. You get the sail in. You catch the apostle that's slipping away. You try somehow to steer the ship into the wave. Just fight. Trust that God knows what is happening and he doesn't take it away because something bigger is going on and you don't get it. That's all right. We most of the time don't get it. But trust him. Now, if you get really scared, you can go to Jesus to wake him up, but at least do it with trust. Don't do it with resentment. Just be honest and say, Jesus, I'm scared. I trust you, but I don't understand. I'm really scared now. That's, that's honest. God can work with that. And if Jesus at that moment comes, the, the storm, great. 
If Jesus goes back to sleep on the cushion, go out and keep fighting. That's how you trust him. That's how you get spiritual maturity. And those are the things we take to eternity with us. And as I was reflecting on this, you know, this is like the perfect example of like, and this is Father's Day weekend. This is what a father's supposed to be. This is the mission of a father, to be calm in the storm. Do your duty, fight the storm. But keep calm in your faith, calm in your faith that Jesus is in my boat. And all will be well. There's nothing I need to be afraid of. And that's the greatest gift to give to family. The gift of calm in the storm. And that doesn't happen just when they're little kids. When your kids are adults, the witness of you having calm in the storm, trusting in the power and love of Jesus Christ, not my broken and limited ability, but in Jesus Christ, that is the greatest gift a father could give his family. And that is what I try to give to you. So remember, my friends, the storm is a norm. God has a mysterious plan to mature you through it. The calm will come, have hope. Let Jesus sleep and just keep fighting the storm with faith.